just more than a game this week. We go back to 2010. The match of the round this weekend is the Saints and Collingwood. It's over there in Adelaide as part of gather round, of course. But in 2010... It was a close one, wasn't it? Oh, it was a fantastic series of grand finals. And the captain of Collingwood that day, and I've I've been looking forward to this chat for a while, to be perfectly honest, uh, was Nick Maxwell, and he joined us. G'day, Nick. Hello, gents. How are we? Well, it couldn't be better, mate, after talking to you. How how do we we feel, um, well, what is it, 13 years on since that magical day for you? Yeah, it seems like a uh, distant memory. It's uh, almost a, a different lifetime for me after um, sort of having several careers since then, I guess. But uh, it's always good to catch up with the boys. We catch up once a year, um, probably after about four or five years since then, um, we, we started catching up. So uh, COVID hurt for a couple of years when we couldn't do that, but it's good to still have those relationships and speak to a lot of the guys um, and a lot of the staff and coaches as well. Nick, it's was here, mate. Just uh, before we get stuck right into it, uh, what are you up to these days? You you did get into a little bit of uh, football stuff, but now you've taken another course. I have, yeah, was I? Uh, I was in footy for quite a while. I was with uh, the Melbourne Storm for six years in a leadership capacity. Um, also worked with GWS for a couple of years, and then had five years back in Collingwood. Uh, and then uh, after 20 years of sport, I, I moved on. I'm actually CEO of a company called Ecla, uh, which is a new company in Hawthorne East. We've got 52 uh, hotel-style offices, um, so sort of high-end finishes and uh, meeting rooms, phone rooms, Zoom rooms, and then a, a members-only bar, restaurant, cafe, dining room, event space, podcast studio, all attached to that. So very different world, but, um, yeah, something I'm really enjoying. Uh, very good, very good. Very good. Now, let want to get back to the... Yeah, let's, the get into let's get into the footy, mate. Uh, the 2010 Grand Final, amazing uh, game of footy. Well, again, we watched it back this week. Which one last, are we talking Well, the, the, draw. the draw. Let's go to the draw first. Right. I mean, let's go in time order. The draw. Um, can you just tell me your emotions? Uh, when the final siren went, because it looked like everyone was in disbelief and didn't really know what was going on. Yeah, well, I guess you probably uh, had a chance to see my interview, which is very embarrassing many years <laughs> later. But, um, yeah, I was obviously pretty uh, pretty frustrated and annoyed that we'd, uh, we'd gone in there, obviously, as favourites and um, had had a chance to sort of, I guess, lead by a fair bit at half-time and unfortunately just couldn't get it done. And Saints held in there and hung in there and hung in there and like a good team does, came back and could have gone either way at the end. But um, I guess that's also a bit of a lack of, um, I guess disappointment from my perspective that uh, I was the captain of a team and felt like I'd let everyone down and uh, we had to come back the next week and try and do it all again so we probably had uh, there was a percentage of the boys that thought we had extra time um, and, and they were sort of trying to get everyone up come on boys let's go we'll, we'll do it again and uh, get ready for it and I said no nah, boys we're coming back next week so there's a few that have no idea what was going on and, um, and probably the thing that threw a real spatter in the works was we were out in the ground for so long because not a lot of people thought we were negotiating with the AFL as to play extra time and not come back, but it hadn't happened since 77 when uh, it wasn't obviously the competition it is today and it didn't have as many ramifications having to bring it all back and do it again the next week. It was actually because 100,000 people going to the bathroom over two hours had backed up the sewage in the player change rooms and flooded the change rooms with sewage so oh. they didn't have anywhere to put the players and staff from both teams so they were actually trying to work out where to put them and um, <laughs> they had to put everyone over on the other side of the ground in the old school rooms and 
I never actually saw any of that because uh, there was four players from each team that were pulled out for drug testing and uh, we had to go down to the official drug testers' rooms, which you can't just do anywhere. It has to be specific. So yeah. I was part of uh, <laughs> one of eight players. I had to go down to the storage rooms and sit in there and try and wee for wee 90 mils of water, which have you on to It took me uh, about just over two hours to get 90 mils out because I was so wow. dehydrated. So uh, I kept having my... Um, I kept getting rejected my sample so I sat there until the end and all I had was my car keys in my hand and uh, walked out two hours later and everyone had gone home and I had to try and work out how to get back to the club and try and uh, I guess get myself and my own head in the right space to come out the next week but obviously all the boys as well So so just on that, like so after the game there was no sort of sit down and and with the coach and he could sort of go over it You you basically didn't have that time when did that happen then? Yeah, there was, there was a bit of it, and as I only saw photos of it later, um, but I never saw any of it. Um, and then I got back, yeah, back to the club, and the boys had all sort of were just finishing their recovery because uh, it took so long for me to, to get back over there. So I only found out uh, we had a chat about what had happened and um, I, I, with the coach later on. And then the Monday morning was when we finally got everyone in the room for the first time because obviously the Sunday you're just off doing your own recovery and that trying to get asleep and, and get your body used to uh, already again to do it all again. So was that the focus on that Monday, uh, getting the body right? I mean, you, you probably couldn't have... You probably would have gone in with the same plan, I would have thought. Yeah, there was two sort of focus areas. One was obviously the physical, which is to get yourself up and do it again. It was a, a hot day and uh, we used to measure our bloods uh, on a, or after the game and on a Monday and basically you just get a pinprick and you find out how much damage has been to your muscles uh, which is sort of was pretty common practice back then uh, and there's certain numbers and ours on average were, were almost double the, the normal average of what we'd have from a game so it was obviously a very physical and a tough game very hot day as well so uh, we knew recovery was going to be huge and then there was a physical element which uh, Mick and, and his coaching team presented which Basically, the, the number one thing for us was we were just bombing the ball inside 50 and allowed uh, Gilbert and Fisher and Blake and uh, all these guys to sort of pick us off and we were just too predictable in our ball movement, which was something we tried to change the next week and obviously had a lot more success with. And just sort of on that that sort of um, message, message, were you confident at that stage or did you have to build your confidence up again? Uh, I was more confident by Wednesday, I think, once we had our training session. Um, the Tuesday, I actually uh, was lucky enough to sit down with Cameron Smith, who was uh, obviously the captain of the Storm and one of the greatest players of all time uh, in rugby league. And I caught up with him just around, they'd play a game of State of Origin and then a day later or two days later, they'd back up and, and play for their club. And, mm. um, and, and to be able to look at what sort of mindset, how do you break it down, like, they're, they're crazy how hard they go in that state of origin games and then to be able to come back and do it again uh, two days later and be able to perform. So he was sensational for me uh, as, as a young captain trying to give me some advice and that was around um, basically just coming back to everyone just doing their job and playing their role and I felt that, um, I mean, pretty common place really that if you look at how we performed on the day, I think we only had about five guys out of 22 get a vote in our best and fairest. So a lot of guys were a bit overwhelmed by grand final day and didn't play the way they wanted to. And we just looked at breaking it back down and coming back to what was your role and, and just doing your job and not worrying about anything outside of that. And uh, lucky enough, the next week, uh, most just about everyone did. Just on that meeting with, with Cam, was that 
sort of your idea or did you have that obviously you went to Storm and did did that time there after your career but was uh, was that your idea? And, uh, I can't even remember how it actually came about. I think it was um, just on the Monday about knowing a lot of guys are really disappointed with how they performed and when you physically there was a lot of guys who were beaten up and, and very sore as I said with the muscle damage so trying to bring that all together and mm. uh, yeah that, that just sort of rugby league just came into our minds and um, yes, yeah, Smithy was obviously 100 metres up the road just from where we were so I thought Jesus is perfect and yeah. Yeah, we put it all together so uh, he actually came down to Collingwood and went to the boardroom had a nice catch up so it was good That would have been good We're talking to Nick Maxwell the Premiership Captain of the Collingwood Footy Club back in 2010 uh, What about Mick Malthouse uh, the coach of Collingwood at the time um, what, how, how crucial was he for, for this week as well with the way that he set it up and um, the way he thought about it? Because I know he gave a pretty rousing speech at, after after the draw in like you know in a, in a club function. So how, how big was he for the week? Oh, yeah, he was huge. And, and I think that um, it's all part of that team and bringing it all together and you need your leaders of Mick and... And then had a say around um, and going to our function and being able to be around your friends which and, and your family, which I know was we did talk about whether or not we cancel that or not, but the emotional element to that, uh, doing all that again, I know uh, St Kilda cancelled theirs and, and spent a couple of years with Lenny Hayes up at the Giants and he said that they found it really tough um, just all going home and having to debrief alone, whereas we sort of went to our function and um, debrief with family and friends. So that was certainly a big part of it and obviously... The physical part of it with Dave Butterfield, who was our head of conditioning and being able to get our bodies right to go again. And, and Mick's obviously the big motivator about how um, let's let's look at it as half time. It's half time. We get to, it's not opportunity lost, it's opportunity postponed. So um, let's come back that next week. And, and obviously, as a senior coach and, and the, the true leader in there, he was a guy who uh, knew how to get us up and knew what buttons to press and, um, and obviously press the right ones that week for us. Unbelievable. Yeah, we we talk about uh, you're you're a captain, you're in a leadership role, and you're at the biggest club going around. The the pressure on you did you did you feel it? Were there, were there times where you, you might have got close to sort of maybe even making a mistake, and and you thought, no, I'm captain of Collingwood. I mean, these days you scrutinise so much, but was there a time, any time where you sort of nearly got there? Um. Not that I can think off the top of my head, mate. I think it was more just uh, I've got a job to do. And I guess I hadn't really had... I was never expecting to be captain. I'd never been captain of teams before that. So uh, I guess for me, the, the best advice I got around that was was Mick caught me uh, and just said, listen, we want you to be who you are, not not who you think we want you to be. Like, just be who you are. And uh, what, what comes natural to you is putting others ahead of yourself and, and the team first attitude and, and that'll help bring everyone together and bond them together so obviously it took a lot for, for him and and then obviously for the board to, to ratify that to trust me and think that a rookie could be um, the, the, a person that could guide us and um, I guess take us to that level and I had no idea what I was doing I just, uh, just thought I was doing what was right at different stages but obviously around the grand final thing it's around narrowing your focus on what's important and, and not worrying about outside noise and, and that's in-game as well, having to make calls and decisions um, that you think um, are going to give you the best chance of winning the game rather than being safe and um, that was probably a couple of different moments in the game that I tried to do that and, and lucky enough it came up, it came off at different stages. As, as captain too, when, was there a t- time that you actually 
hang on, now I feel really comfortable in the role, or was that pretty much from the start, given that advice you were given? Um, I, oh, look, I don't know if you ever feel comfortable, because there's, oh, that's no, probably wrong. I did feel comfortable after about 12 months, but you always, there's always different things get thrown at you, so you never know what's going to come up or what's around the corner. Um, some of it to do with you personally, some of it to do with different um other circumstances you find yourself in with teammates and some of the pressures and challenges that they face. Uh, obviously, changing of a coach for me or as part of my time was during 2009, it was decided that, um, that there was going to be a succession plan and that we're going to have a change of coach at one stage. So that was part of my captaincy. So being able to support Mick through through that and then obviously when Nathan came on after that. So there's always something different thrown in. There's no, that's probably the, the toughest part about leadership is there's, you're always learning and there's no, um, there's no end zone. There's no trophy at the end. There's no. It's sort of always evolving, and there's always something else to learn and understand. So um, you can't always say I made it. I made it as a captain. I made it as a leader because five minutes later, something else gets thrown at you that you never expected, and you've got to try and deal with that and, and work out the best way to work around that for your team. Well, you mentioned the, the transition from Mouldhouse to Buckley. What, what, you, what were your memories of that when you first heard it, and did you think it would work? Oh, it's sort of never really been done before, I don't think, or, or not in a public terms like that. So, um, I mean, you, you never you never know and you just think, okay, there's um, there's a lot more smarter people than me making these decisions and it's not your job to think, will it work or won't it work? Your job is to support board decisions and, and coaches that are in those positions. So you've got a, a different stages. It's even like with selection, like some of my best mates missed out on playing in the premiership team, um, but they were guys who had just as much influence if not more than a lot of other people who did play in that premiership team um, people who had a huge influence on my career and it's it's not your job to decide who gets selected and, um, and, and as I said who's the coach or who plays that week it's your job to support whatever decisions are made and sure you challenge them at different stages and you might ask questions but ultimately it's not your role your role is to bring it all together on game day and, and during the week and we get back to the to the footy, Nick. Um, the opponent you had on both times. Who did, who did you sort of line up on, and, and what was your uh, thoughts going in against that person? Uh, well, most for the majority of both games, I had uh, a combination combination of uh, Andrew McQualter and Robert Eddy. They were coming to me as uh, sort of defensive forwards to sort of um, I guess challenge me and take me away from uh, any third across type stuff. So. Uh, that was the majority of both of them and then at different stages just in game you do have changeovers we were lucky as a defensive backs group um, we knew each other really well and we knew when to roll off and support each other and we knew what each other was going to do so we t- we tend to although you do have matchups um, we never really like to look at it as it's you're on him you're on him you're on him it's in different circumstances we all it's, it's us against them basically so um, yeah that, that was I guess the sum of it all, but at different stages, it obviously changes in game. Yes, it is. We'll, we'll go to the we'll go to the replay, and you you end up winning every quarter of this game, and end up winning by over nine goals in a in a great effort, great team game. Uh, Scott Penderbury wins the Norm Smith, and um, you're credited. It says here in the stats with two behinds. So you, did you go up forward? Tell me about it. now. The first one was um, I actually uh, had to go and play on Brendan Goddard at one stage on a wing uh, and. I just chipped the ball out in front of Swanee and it, it 
unbelievably the fastest guy going around. Uh, it just went over his head and just kicked on. The bounce kicked on and went through for a point. So it was about a foot away. I said to him, if I knew that you weren't that fast, I would have just kicked the goal myself. But uh, it sort of ran off, unfortunately. And the second one was uh, a mark in the last quarter when the game was over. And it was just, to be honest, a little bit of me time. Just trying to, trying to nail one from 55 and hooked it and uh, went through for a behind. So disappointing I couldn't snag one uh, on the big day. Tell tell us about tell us about the replay day. I mean that that sounds fun, but was it the best day ever? Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing day, particularly to sort of win. Um, I think for us, uh, about I think it was about the eleven minute mark. Uh, Harry had kicked a goal, and the boys were carrying on and getting ahead of themselves. And I gave them a mouthful and straightened them up and told them to focus. And um, and then I looked up at the scoreboard about ten seconds later after I'd, I'd given them a bake, and I was like, oh, actually. I just sort of the next 15 minutes was pretty cool just jogging around and um, winking at each other and uh, knowing that you had it and knowing that um, I guess the real relief for me when that siren went the relief that uh, this can't be taken away from you this is our premiership and we finally did it and we've got one and um, and probably for again on top of all that all the work that goes in behind the scenes with your family and the sacrifices they make uh, even parents driving you around when you're a kid uh, your, your families and partners at home your kids at home and, and then obviously all the staff members and that that are involved and beyond that um, you know what it means to supporters but I was lucky enough uh, a few weeks later after after we won it to country to travel around country Victoria with the cup and um, go to all the small towns and, and be able to actually see like Collingwood supporters and what it meant to them and 80-year-old men bawling their eyes out telling you that you can they can die happy now because they got to saw another premiership and, and that type of thing. That sort of, I guess, um, really made me realise how special it was and what it meant to so many other people. And, uh, and they're, they're the real special things that I guess you never really appreciate or think about until you go through them. Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, now, the scary thing is for us non-Collingwood um, supporters uh, is that you're a chance again this year. Um, which is uh, going to be fantastic for Collingwood supporters. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Magpies' start to, to this year? Yeah, obviously they've started really well. I mean, Brisbane are always going to be really hard to beat up there. They're a different team up there. And uh, I think the Pies ended up having just about more scoring shots. So it probably wasn't quite as one-sided as it looked in the end. But um, I know a lot of the focus was on the Ruckman stuff, but... To be honest, I think that that won't be as big a factor over the next few weeks. They'll, they'll work it out. They've got a really smart coaching panel there and, um, and and they'll work through what that looks like. They're also going up against one of the one of the best in the competition in Big Oscar up there. So um, I think Collingwood in really good shape. Obviously, uh, they'll be looking forward to getting a couple more back and hopefully Howie uh, towards the back half of the year as well because he's someone who's had a really rough trot with injury over the last few years and I'd love to see him get some success in big games and finals because he's uh, he's one of the best guys out there one of the, one of the best teammates that I would have loved to play with him myself unfortunately I'd have played against him a lot and try and stop him taking hangers when he was playing for Melbourne but um, <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see a lot of those guys come back and I think Collingwood uh, if they have a good run with injury can really challenge again this year Here's a ripper now just a quick word have you ever seen uh, first, second year player like Dacos, I mean, he is very special. I mean, he showed and he had a poor second quarter against Brisbane and then, then in, come out in the third quarter and dominated. Uh, that shows a lot of maturity. He, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he's a special talent. And I think it's also, um, it, it's 
people look at it and you see special talent, you say that, but if you go, I encourage you to go to a game and watch him live. It, it, it's not a fluke. He, his work ethic is through the roof in game. And it's also, uh, he's what, 19, 20 years old. He's been doing this for sort of 10 years, understanding what's required and leaves no stone unturned, which uh, gets said a lot. But he's someone who I can put my hand on heart and say from having seen him for time at the club, uh, he's a real, it's like Scott Pendleby, there's no fluke. The amount of work that goes in behind the scenes and the amount of work he puts into his game, um, he's always in there first in and last to leave. And um, again, he's really smart with the way he looks after his body and the way he learns the game. So uh, he doesn't just do it on natural talent, he does it on work ethic. And I think that when you get natural talent and work ethic combined, that's when you get your Scott Pendleby's and your, and your Nick Dacos. Mm. So I'm sure he's got a massive career ahead of him. Yes, his brother Josh isn't too bad either. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah. It's looking pretty good. Um, just uh, with uh, Scott Pendlebury as, as well, I'm not too sure how much of a historian you are, mate, but uh, is he the best Collingwood player you've seen? Easily. Yeah. Mm. Easily. Yeah, he's a, the big thing with, with Pendles for mine is that, um, and again, I've, well, I mean, I'm, a, I'm 83, so I'm 39 years old, so I didn't obviously see a lot of uh, the guys previously, but you can only sort of look at what you know. And um, I think Bucks and Swanee probably had their absolute best games were probably better than Scott's absolute best games but from a consistency point of view what the standard that he sets and what he's been able to do um, over a long period of time is just unrivaled and I think uh, I think for memory it's 15 top three finishes in the best and fairest had 18 years which <laughs> is just and that's like he's, he's broken his leg several times he's had finger surgeries and um to have to be able to perform at that level for that long um, in a range of different positions in good teams and bad teams, that just to me um, just just puts him on top of everyone else. Oh, that's awesome. extraordinary. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more there, mate. Uh, we'll might have to leave it there, Nick. But uh, I just want to say thank you again for uh, jumping on the phone, mate. It's been an absolute thrill chatting to you, and uh, good luck with uh, everything. No worries, boys. All the very best. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> good on you, Nick Maxwell. Uh, the Premiership captain of Collingwood in 2010, reminiscing about their, well, two grand finals against the Saints yeah. ahead of this weekend.